Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen, with me as always is my brother Brendan. Together we make movies with DBS Films. Today's episode, we're going into part five of a day-by-day breakdown of our 15th feature film. That is right, my friends, we have finished our 15th feature film, Girl and Cabin 14 for now. Um, be sure to take a look at our movies that are currently out, Horror in the Forest. If you give us a rent and a review, it means the world to us. So please go ahead and do that, as well as taking a look at our Discord channel. If you want to be in a movie on set with us, well, that is the place to be. So where we are picking up right now, um, we've gotten through a bulk of everything. You know, I think we believe we just wrapped on the intro and then, yeah, the torture and the intro. Um, so at this point in time, we really just have the climax and a few pop scares here and there. I feel like we're really hitting the groove um, and it's pretty good. Also, it was the weekend, which, you know, just makes things a lot easier when it comes to working remote and whatnot. And I also believe that I was able to finally sleep this day. So I was pretty stoked. Um, how are you kind of feeling going into this Saturday? We have Saturday, Sunday, Monday left at this point in time. And we got about 60% of the movie. All the hard parts for the most part, besides the climax, are done. Yeah, I felt pretty good. Um, the lead actress had a fly to Miami. So I was concerned <clears throat> that just getting her back um, and she came back. Um, Isabel did a great job and you know we handled that a little bit of a transition there smoothly Um, but I felt good most of the stuff that was difficult was already completed Um, we still had a lot left Um, I remember looking back at the stuff that we had to do and it was like all right wow this is like a lot of stuff but once again like it just comes down to scheduling a lot of stuff does not necessarily mean um, basically it's going to be difficult because you start to knock things out very, very quickly. If you get your actors and, you know, a good set and a good rhythm, you know, you can knock out stuff real fast. Uh, we did have a couple of hard things left. And, you know, once we got that stuff done, um, I felt really good. But, you know, once again, it really comes down to scheduling these things. I think we put did a really good job with putting ourselves in position to, to succeed. And, you know, it was pretty much from this point, there's a little bit left. But for the most part, we were starting to roll downhill. Yeah, I, I do think, um, you know, being able to have um, being able to have uh, a lot of those those big meat and potato elements of the uh, shoot done when it came to um, the intro and everything there definitely makes it so that, you know, you're putting a lot less pressure on yourself. Um, with this being said, we did have Tanner come in. Um, so Tanner uh, playing a big role in the movie. Uh, he flew in there. Um, he was about, we were about three hours uh, difference when it came to when uh, Isabella got in. And the uh, airport is right next to one of the uh, water parks that I oversee. And I took Tanner there. And fun fact, Tanner did great. He got up on the wakeboard. He was doing a great job. But he also did not know how to swim. So I remember being like, hey, Tanner, um, you're kind of moving a little slow there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just got to figure out what's going on here. We have Coast Guard approved vests, so everyone was safe. Um, And he had a great time in general. But, yeah, I almost, you know, drowned our potential lead. Got Isabella, got Tanner back there, so we were good to go. For tonight, it was mainly getting um, a good amount of shots uh, with Isabella kind of going through the woods getting her kind of final girl monologues. And then also we had the legend as always Irish. And I really would say that like this Saturday night was a lot of the connectors in the forest. It's a lot of running around, a lot of pop scares, a lot of trying to figure out here, figure out there. 
Um, but it really kind of felt like it was setting us up for what Sunday was um, the next day, which was a ton of, you know, we had the barrel boy, we had the climax, we had the Carl smash, we had the face poke. So basically a lot of the big ones, but I think Saturday, again, you know, just the connecting ones with Isabella, those can be some of the more difficult shots, you know, cause you need to kind of keep track of if you have this shot here, does it make sense here? And again, with final footage or uh, found footage, it's always the case where, you know, you, can have a lot more continuity issues versus just being able to cut back with cinematic. So what was kind of your thoughts and the game plan for making sure we had all of these connectors? Well, I definitely wanted to avoid uh, what I thought we struggled with, with horror in the forest and with uh, occult grave, which was, you know, the one person finales are hard with found footage because you just don't have angles to cut back to. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, she had a goal, she had a purpose in each one of these little sections, these little segments of shooting. And then we also had Tanner's stuff in the woods and also Ben's stuff in the woods or Brendan's stuff in the woods. Um, so that we can cut around and manipulate this uh, climax. And I think it's going to work. I hope it's going to work. Um, but it was a lot. And, you know, we got Irish out here. He did a great job. We made him do a ton of stuff because, you know, I think really when it comes down to these pop scares, the best way to do it is to just kind of do what I think is going to work. And then if anyone else has any ideas in the specific amount of time, we just knock them out because it doesn't take much time to do pop scares. You can do a ton of them. The problem is, is that we have certain ones that work, but obviously you can't just keep doing those. So is trying to find new ones and trying to find, you know, stuff that works and, you know, you never know which one's going to hit. And I said, all right, you know, I'm going to go out there with Irish. We're going to spend an hour out there doing all the stuff that we've either done before. I feel really confident that'll work. And then we're going to spend another hour out there really kind of doing, you know, any pop scares. And I always remember we have a pickleback uh, bet on this scene where everyone pretty much went around and got a pop scare. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see which one one wins. But to me, I was like, all right, we got Irish out there. You know, we have a little bit of time because we schedule properly. Let's really get some good pop scares in there because I thought the ones in Horror in the Forest were good and the ones in Cold Grave were okay. Um, but I really wanted to hit these woods pop scares because, I mean, you're building all this tension up. And if you kind of lie flat here, it just it kind of pulls away from the climax. So I, I felt like it was a good time to just, you know, let everyone have a little bit of chance at trying to figure out which one's the best pop scare. Irish is out there. He had a great time. Uh, once again, he did a phenomenal job. And, you know, if we don't use the certain pop scares, but maybe, you, you know, we'll figure out which ones work and which ones don't work, which is always valuable feedback, you know, for the next couple of movies. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, you know, again, going through that process, because um, really, that was a scene where, and I think this is something that I would like to highlight, because I think it's kind of more Hollywood-esque, honestly, in my opinion, what we were actually doing, um, which is we were filming multiple different pop scare styles with Irish, knowing that we'll most likely only have the ability to do one, um, you know, in the sense that you can't just have Irish like cornering them four different times to have the pop scare it kind of gets over it but you know this is something where again in the hollywood sets they're probably trying multiple different things they're trying entirely different scenes they're trying all of these different things getting multiple cuts knowing that they just need one so 
you know, I kind of want to highlight this because, you know, would you say in the future we have the DBS warehouse, we have all this cool stuff and time is finally not running against us constantly. I think it would be something where you could spend a whole day just trying to figure out what is that best pop scare for how important these pop scares can be. And really, I think, you know, we've been able to get to a level where we have a good concept of pop scares because, you know, it's our 15th feature. But in general, stuff like that and practices like that, even if you don't use the final cut, you know, that in itself is such good practice that you just don't really have the luxury as as an indie filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, if this was Hollywood, they probably spend one day, maybe two days really trying to get all this stuff done. And I just don't think people realize how much coverage Hollywood stuff gets. It's just they get an absolute insane amount of coverage. Um, I do think there's a balance. It did slow down the shoot a little bit, but I think it was well worth it. So I think, you know, doing this uh, is a good idea. We kind of uh, leaned on it a little bit more in this one. I know we did it with the when uh, Ben's character popped on the window. We had different variations. And it's just nice to have that stuff, you know, going back in there. Because if you really miss on a pop scare, you know, it's just at that point, you're like, all right, like, how do we make this not suck? And, you know, that's like the hard part is that if you have something that's weak, and it feels cheap, um, it kind of takes away from the story, it takes away from the immersion. So you really want to hit these pop scares. And, you know, if we had the opportunity to do this stuff um, with more time, I'd probably do like a 21-day shoot, but i still keep the same cadence where I'd probably shoot the movie in eight days, um, reset, and then fix all the stuff in eight days, and then reset and do one more pass of five or six days. Um, almost making like a mosaic movie. If you see how like documentaries are filmed, they'll film them for like four or five years and they will take specific little things and constantly work on them and move the story around and manipulate the story. Um, I'd be interested to see if that would work because I do like the shorter time frames. I think the energy on set is really cool. I think pushing the actors is good. Um, I think the adrenaline kind of fuels the movie, but there's just, you know, looking back on all these movies, it's just basically like, man, I wish I could do this scene better, or we can definitely do this better. I know there's a way to do this, but that's also hence why we do two of these movies, three versions. You know, Verlin Cabin 14 is a remake of the 13 because I look at that movie and not only have we gotten much better, but it's easy to look at a finished product and be like, hey, you know, we can do this scene better. It needs to be faster. The pop scares need to be better. Um, and once you have that stuff, that's just pretty much how you make a better movie. Definitely is. So, you know, we spent a, a good amount of time out there. Again, huge shout out to Irish because that man is just a legend when it came to so many different things. And this brings us to Saturday uh, or Sunday, actually. This brings us Sunday, uh, kind of like Sunday into Monday because really we start filming, you know, later at night. Um, but this was a big night. Um, so this was one where we had to do uh, me as Barrel Boy, uh, had to do the... Um, uh, the climax uh so carl's head smash the uh face poker i think we might have done i believe we did the mud flap stab on saturday night so i think that was one we maybe either got away on saturday night or that might have been sunday night too but if not we basically had like five special effects um bertha was coming back out and i mean this is really it you know saturday was kind of that make or break in the sense that that was a ton of stuff that we had to do. I remember getting done, you know, that was one where the the, the daylight came up for us because we had to keep on running for it. So Saturday was a big one. Anytime you're going into a lot of special effects and like, you know, the climax, 
it's really something where you can allot time, but you never really know until you can kind of get everything all set up and ready. As always, you shout out to Tegan. She did a fantastic job of kind of expediting the process a lot. But Saturday was really the big day when it came to, you know, a lot of the gore and a lot of the the bigger moments in the movie. Yeah, it really was. Um, and we wanted to stack these just because if we had any spillover, we could, you know, spill over on Sunday and Monday. But yeah, shout out to Tegan. She really earned her pay on this one. Um, she basically knocked out all this stuff. And anytime you do special effects, it takes a long time because it's like, it's just the setup. Even the simplest stuff is like the blocking, the setup. I just remember the scene where um, we wanted to have someone's hand go in a garbage disposal and get, you know, chewed up. And it just shows you sometimes you just miss the smallest little details. There's no power in the house. And both myself and Tegan and pretty much everyone who read the script never got that. And so we went to set up to the garbage disposal. I'm like, there's no power. I don't know how this is going to work. But, you know, shout out to Tegan. She, we figured out a way to do it. You know, have something that's really cool. And I really like this scare. It's going to be really good. Um, but basically it takes a while to block that out. It took a long time to block it out and then get it. And then we had a reset for the special effects and we had to take the shots for the blood. Um, and really, I think that this movie, if you look at the complexity of this movie compared to number one, the first girl in cabin 13, but pretty much any other movie, I say that even this one was more complicated than Bigfoot as far as how many special effects stuff we were doing. Um, with Bigfoot, it was mainly, all right, we're going to put blood and you know guts and stuff on people, but they're pretty much just laying on the ground. This one had a lot of people moving. We had to do palm scares at the same time. Um, we had to make sure the blood pump worked. And it was like over and over and over again. Um, and it was very difficult, but it, you know, it was good because we're starting to get to the point where our special effects is becoming an asset instead of a liability. So learning this kind of stuff, understanding how it works, understanding how to get better is definitely something that we're allocating time and basically money to as well. Yeah, definitely is the case. And, you know, you've heard me mention it before, you know, horror movies, production value and special effects are the two things. But you have to do them strategically, you know, because, again, you can you can spend so much money on a scene that doesn't look good. So then you never use it like that is something that happens all the time in so many different movies out there. Um, So it is something you have to very much tread lightly on when it comes to leaning into it, uh, especially as an indie filmmaker. I will say this was kind of the moment to me of like, damn, we really went ham was during the climax when we were kind of rocking through all the scenes and just starting to see how many people are getting messed up by our final girl in one way or another. And just in general, you know, when she takes down Carl and then she goes in and fights Helen. And I just remember when the blood cannon went off and just beautiful horror look where it's spraying on Isabella I mean, this was the first movie that I really felt like we were leaning into the overall gore and horror elements of a movie. Um, so I'm very, very interested how it comes out. So kind of to dwell on that for a little bit more, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I feel like there is probably a line of like too much, you know, too intensely. Like I was kind of joking, you get a paper cut and then the blood cannon goes off. But part of me also isn't joking too much. You know, if people like it, if it looks cool, I think it's something we can lean into potentially. Um, but 
the pure action of it, you know, you were kind of mentioning from Girl in Cabin 13, which is such a basic movie, but even from Bigfoot, you know, Bigfoot, we were kind of still, like you were saying, a little hesitant here, you know, people laying down. This is one that's really moving. And like the next thing, you know, I kind of want to chime in on, just wait till we get another cinematic, you know, when we get the cuts of those angles, what's it going to look like? So were you getting that impression too? Cause I think that was the biggest difference to me was like, we are really becoming more and more action packed. You know, I felt it with Bigfoot, but I think really with girl in cabin 13 doing all of those special effects kills and seeing how they all came out, it just really feels like we're kind of, you know, donning a new era here. Yeah. And I think that this movie is going to be, a big step up as far as pacing as well, because it takes place and everything goes very, very quickly. All the scenes are very, very quick. Everything moves very quick. But I think one thing that I really liked about Girl in Cabin 13 was the finale. You know, I really thought it was a really good finale. Um, I thought you were cheering for Sonny as she's going through there. Um, and we basically kind of just doubled down on that. You know, we really went through and made sure she went through the ringer and that there was multiple people chasing her and going after her. Um, but I mean, this was another frustration with found footage because I just, I know we had to do the one scene where um, she takes down one of the masked men and it was just difficult to do. And I was at the point where I was like, all right, I'm just going to put this cut in here because there's a small little cut that I need. Uh, but it didn't really make any sense as far as the found footage stuff. But, you know, uh, Kel and Dylan and the rest of the team figured out a way to do it, but it it is kind of, you know, this this movie was kind of like, man, I wish I was doing this cinematic because I think, you know, I think found footage is good as far as like you can hide certain things and it gives you that immersion. But man, when we have something that, you know, I know we can pull off because we've done it in Girl in Cabin 13 um, to this, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll come out well. I think people will really like it. But to me, once again, this is probably the second time on this shoot where I was like, man, I just wish I could just shoot this cinematic. Um, so, I mean, as much as we love found footage and, you know, I do think it's a, a big thing. That is one of the liabilities that we've learned from is that the downside of found footage is you can't really get as much coverage, as much reactions, as much, um, you know, shots as you really want. Uh, but there's obviously the pros of found footage, which we've highlighted multiple, multiple times. That is true. One of the major pros is I had the edit basically done because it's just drag and drop at that point. And we were able to take a look at everything, see that we were pretty much good to go and continuing to grind to the last days of our shoot. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, though. As always, be sure to take a look at us online. We make movies for our fans with our fans. If you want to go ahead and take a look at Horror in the Forest, it means the world to us if you go ahead and rent and review it. This allows us to continue to do what we love to do and make more movies. But until then, have a good one, my friends. <laughs>